So just before we came online, Jenny said, let's try to do a fast one. And I was actually going to bring that up because the only feedback we've ever got from anyone who hasn't listened to our podcast is, oh my God, these episodes are so long. <laughs> um, that's just when they see the podcast in the podcast app and see one hour 30 or one hour 20. Um, and we all remember what he who shall remain nameless said when he found out about how long some of our podcasts. I, I find myself rubbing up against, you know, negative gender expectations in that, you know, I've always been told, make it as long as possible in any sort of situation. But um, anyway, that, that's just the negative stereotyping that one's exposed to as a man growing up in an atmosphere of toxic masculinity. Um, so yes, we shall make it short and snappy, unlike uh, my response to your request to keep it short and snappy. Well, we can try, but I guess before we even keep it short and snappy, we should say which episode we're reviewing. Faces. Um, faces, yes. Season one, episode 14. Um, and Jamie, are you ready for your non-one-minute summary? Weirdly, I'm not. I actually really struggled with this one. I mean, I was... I I, I don't know. It, 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 it was effectively... The Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde of Star Trek Voyager with Balana's Klingon and human personalities playing the role of her light and her dark angels. And I, I very much sometimes found it a conflict between ego and id being played out between two theatrical constructs in those two personalities. But I don't think that's a one minute summary and I don't think that's sort of a snappy humorous take on it either somehow. Well, I think that was a highbrow take, and some people will love it. So, <laughs> class is something we sadly lack when I'm around. So, okay. Do you want me to try a one-minute summary? Right? Yeah, good. Yeah. Okay. Here, here we go. Apologies in advance. So, um, Bolana, Tom, and Durst um, basically go on an away mission, and they uh, get captured by the Bedians. Um, and how much? Actually, I probably don't want to give away the ending, do I? So. Uh, Basically, they perform some crazy experiments on Balana, and she ends up splitting into two different people, one that's fully Klingon and one that's fully human. Um, meanwhile, Harry, Janeway and Tuvok are working very hard to locate them and then to rescue them. And I think I'll leave it at that because I don't want to give away the ending. Brilliant. Actually, Thank you. I yes. think we've all focused on the wrong thing here. And I'll tell you why. Can you remind me what Spelix Neelix is, species Neelix is? Oh, Talaxian. Talaxian. I think we should be focusing on the fact that a character in this episode proves that a Talaxian can actually be both competent and helpful <laughs> without being a figure of fun. So for me, that's what this oh. episode is about. Or alternatively, we meet another Talaxian. Uh, but yes. Um... Who is actually competent is the unspoken okay. addition to that particular Thing. I just always want to offer a disclaimer in case anyone is listening for the first time. Jamie is the only person on the planet who doesn't like me like yet. Me and I mean, Jamie. you don't know that it's just on the planet. That you know, by very dint of the fact that this is Star Trek, we could be talking other planets where he's disliked. I mean, he wasn't exactly popular in the environment we found him in in the first episode. He turned up his uh, lovable little face in. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I think we're really taking not being snappy so to move things along um this this episode has the shortest opening sequence of all like of any episode I I think we watched it was so short mm. but um we kind of like opening on like what looks like a lab i guess and we hear someone say regeneration phase complete mm. and it's kind of panning around this woman or person with like long hair and arms shackled up like up yeah up. and as it comes around we see it's balana but Different. Or cling on to Belana. Yeah, and um, the guy, and you hear a voice saying, "Belana, Belana Torres, wake up!" And uh, <laughs> she, you're like, "What is going on here?" Uh, and immediately goes to the intro. So a very mm. the shortest um, intro or opening scene I've seen. But also one of the most immensely sinister ones. Yeah. Because you've you've got someone familiar who's been changed into a more savage seeming aspect. You've got them effectively shackled in captivity on what looks like a very unpleasant device. Mm. Um, and then you're sort of left with that almost immediately. It feels like a more hard-hitting intro introduction. Yeah, pretty hard-hitting. Mm. Anything to add? Jenny, it was very short, so no pressure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I was just, I was um, 
more thinking about um, the, the snappiness of it. <laughs> I, think, yeah. I was thinking, oh, this is a good point. If we if a very short intro and then we we discuss it in great depth, this is how we end up <laughs> talking and talking. Okay, so then we have the um, our theme music and then the captain's log. And she's kind of, you're starting to understand that Balana was separated because Voyager has been off exploring the Avery system. Mm. And they left Balana, Tom and Durst to like do some Magnus site exploration on the third planet and made me think I would never want to be left behind by Voyager. <laughs> I would feel very vulnerable. <laughs> um, and so you're starting to understand that, well, I guess get some clues about the fact that maybe situation separated and things are not going according to plan, um, but no one on Voyager knows yet. Mm. And then we have this very funny scene in the, I always call it the canteen. I'm not sure if that's what it's called in Star Trek with um, Neelix and Tuvok and the, Vulcan soup. Mm. <laughs> in which Neelix strives to prove to Tuvok that he's seeking to make him feel at home by making him a soup tasting of home. Except Neelix being Neelix, he's in fact changed the ingredients so much that the taste is unrecognisable to Tuvok, who says, is it really a taste of home if you're changing the ingredients in order to taste good to you as opposed to homely to me. To which Neelix's rejoinder is that effectively the soup in its original ingredients was so bland that no one would be interested in it anyway. Um, at which point, rather luckily, they're interrupted by the captain summoning... Uh, is it the captain or Chakotay summoning Tuvok up to the bridge with some alacrity? At which point Tuvok takes advantage of the opportunity to wish Neelix enjoyment of his soup whilst rather tacitly insulting his actual cooking skills and making it by doing so. Yes, as he's as he was about to leave, he's like, enjoy. And then the funniest bit is that Neelix sits down, drinks the soup, and then he's like, there's no place like home. So he's <laughs> like trying to make the soup to remind yes. Tuvok of home and just created something that he himself, mm. uh, well, that reminds him of home. I mean, he does drink it with every evidence of discomfort, which I find quite amusing. Yes, there is that funny comedic moment because you're like, oh, he also thinks it's bad. And then he's like, oh, it tastes just like home or whatever. And you're like, oh, okay, no, it's just a different <laughs> way of enjoying the soup. Um, mm. But very, very funny. I do like the moments between Tuvok and Neelix. Um <laughs> Jenny, I thought you might enjoy that scene, but uh, anything to add? I know, you know, I don't really. <laughs> it does seem a bit sort of looking back. It seems a little bit out of place in a way. I'm like, does that connect up in some way to the sort of overall no. theme, or is it just <laughs> a sort of random little um, comedic character scene between those two? Just some light relief. Mm. Um, so the next thing we are on, I think, the bridge and. Chakotay is kind of reporting that the away team is not at their designated meeting spot. Uh, and um, Harry's like explaining how they're kind of scanning or whatever is hampered by the ra ra radiation from the Magnus site. And then he picks up that the rock formations on this third planet have kind of changed since they took the first scan, I guess, when they left everyone behind and since they come back. So they're like, well, how can it be changing? We didn't detect any. Um, oh my gosh, what's the word? Earthquakes, I guess. Um, so they don't know what's going on. Tectonic yes. activity. Ah, thank you. Tectonic activity. So Chakotay immediately, uh, very bravely, suggests an away mission. Or he he wants to find um, crew. Probably because at that stage, Balana's in that crew, and he's she's still she's still early days, and she's ex Marquis. Mm -hmm. Oh, maybe just because he's a good uh, commander. Um, but Jane, well, Tuvok is like we can't afford. Well, we don't want to lose anyone else because they've kind of essentially lost the other three. Mm. So Harry comes up with a brilliant idea or a fairy tale idea, depending on how you look at it. Breadcrumbs. <laughs> yes, very good. So he's going to like put, um, I think, a trail of transponders. Oh, yeah, transponders, so that um, they don't lose track of the new away mission. Mm. Um, so they're busy, I guess, preparing this rescue, well, this in, uh, away mission and investigative uh, mission. Well, that was very difficult for me to say. Uh, we go back to the lab and uh, we see Balana restrained to um, bed. Mm. And she's approached by a Vidian surgeon whose name, it turns out, is Sulan, I think. Mm. Yeah. It gets creepy. 
it, it gets creepy really pretty fast. At this stage, because he starts off by. Oh, sorry. Point. I think. Sorry to interrupt you, Jenny. That's very bad on me. But we should mention for people who do not know what Vidians look like, Jenny, what do they look like? <gasps> oh, revolting. Oh, <laughs> yeah, Just I mean, it's, it's yeah. really good makeup. Um, well, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I, I find it mask, quite, quite horrifying. Yeah, I mean, you know, to, to, I know it's um, probably, you know, it was, you know, since then, there's obviously been a lot of special effects. Um, and uh, now looking back, it might look a little bit dated. But I just think that was quite impressive at that time. Because yeah. I remember watching it back then thinking, this is like watching a horror movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's quite horrifying. Um, because, yeah, it's they're all bits of, they're supposedly taken bits of other species and surgically attached them in the place of, the bits of them that have been ravaged by the sage so it's all quite disgusting oh yes because they they go around harvesting organs um ah oh, yes that's what happened to Neelix in the previous episode but yes exactly very good description thank you jamie jamie back to you not at all um I, I was just going to say that effectively the fact that we're immediately focusing on a shackle Bellana and the creepiness is is almost immediately exactly exacerbated by the fact that uh, she's addressed by someone who apologizes for her restraints, uh, introducing himself as Sulan, a surgeon of the Vidian Sodality, which given what we know from previous episodes of the Vidian Sodality is only more disturbing given their uh, uh, predisposition towards harvesting healthy individuals for their organs to try and stave off the never-ending apocalypse for their race which is the phage yeah that is a good disease that melts their organs yeah that is a really good point i guess at that moment you're thinking probably the biggest threat is that they're harvesting your organs but the story is mm. actually going to go in a kind of a different direction mm, absolutely and and this is where it's explained to balana what has happened now I would typically sort of jump in, but we've got someone who's far better at the sort of medical side of things than I am. So, Jenny, do you want to tell us what he suggests has been done to her and when it all gets even more sinister as he outlines her role in his nefarious plot? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I might accidentally jump ahead because it's sort of the stories uncovered in lots of sort of jump back scenes between what's going on at Voyager and what's going on with this surgeon and Bolana. Well, um, so. well I think first we just have to say that he reveals to her that through a mirror that she like she looks different and she looks more Klingon she mm. looks almost pure Klingon no longer human so yeah if you could explain the medical procedure that got her there because that's what he explains to her at this scene or because well, yeah, because I think he, first he says, we, well, first she says, you've surgically altered my appearance. Um, and he responds with something like, I, we, I've performed no surgery as you know it. <laughs> so it's a bit mysterious. As you know, it just sounds terrifying. <laughs> and I think then it's later that we learn that what he means is that, in fact, he hasn't performed any sort of... Um, how do you describe surgery, it? Su- superficial surgery. Su- surgery. Um, I can't think of the way to describe it, but just. Uh... I think the way I understood it was he basically um, figured out, well, Jamie maybe has it, but how to separate her genome and then when used like transporter technology to just reconstitute the Klingon DNA into the Klingon person and the human DNA into the human person. person. So that- uh, yes, but that was the bit I was trying not to reveal yet because I figured that was later. Oh, no, he- no, it's in this, it's in this, I think. Ah, okay, because he so first, you- first he was saying how he's, it's he's, not that kind of surgery because, you know, in the past, uh, you know, for away missions where they've had to go undercover and things, they mm-hmm. surgically alter their appearance. Oh, yeah. Um, but that's just skin deep. Yeah. Um, whereas what you're saying is that's not what they've done in this case. And then it's kind of revealed because, yeah, like what you said, it's something to do with the, the genetic code. Mm. Yeah. So, so it's it's interesting because at this point he reveals, as you say, that he's essentially split her genomes aside with a weird sort of uh, technology. So 
you split her Klingon cells aside because Klingon cells are incredibly strong, which he comments as he effectively admires her strength, and he believes that she would be resistant to the infection. And at this stage, Valana challenges him, asking, why, why do you... Th- how will you know that I'm resistant to the infection? And there's an incredibly sinister one-liner back, which I'm hoping one of you is just going to deliver straight back to me. Oh, no, I don't, I didn't note it down. I mean, I know what he tells him. In response to her question of how he'll know, he goes, because I have infected you. Yes, with a phage, which we know is like lethal. Yes, and badly. Terrible. So, So, yeah, Yeah. it's quite, the stakes are pretty high for Klingon Balana as I will mm. refer to her from now on. Um, <laughs> I, I call her BK. Yes. Oh, wait. Belana uh, Klingon. I called her KB. <laughs> in my I notes. call her BK. Um, so the next scene, we're on like a gangway or in a gangway of some kind, I think, and Paris and Durst are being marched to what are essentially prison barracks, I think. Mm. Uh, and then once, I mean, it's pretty... Um, decent prison barracks, I would say, but they are prisoners there against their own will. And they immediately start trying to come up with an escape plan. Uh, but Tom says he's like, he doesn't want to do anything or leave without knowing what happened to Bellana. And at this mm. point, they're overheard by a uh, Talaxian who laughs in the face of their rescue or their escape plans. Uh, because I think he said no one has ever escaped in the six years that he's been there. I think it was six. And he also explains, because Tom has questions about why they're prisoners and not they're just being harvested for, for their organs, and he explains that the Vidians are weak, and so they need, I guess, forced labor or people to do their labor or mining, but they won't hesitate to take your organs once they, they're done with you. So mm. you're not safe just because you're in the... Um, it's a, it's a whole sort of space concentration camp yes. in many ways. Um, well, I've, yeah, I think it's... Uh, labor camp but sometimes i only see understand these things through watching star trek and seeing it <laughs> because as i've said before i don't understand war um mm. uh, and then he uh, at this point i think tom also finds out that from the talaxian guy whose name i did not catch and was not on um any no i didn't catch it either i don't think they say it so i couldn't find no. it online either um but he tells them that blonde has probably been taken to the organ processing <laughs> or taken to organ processing Mm. So we're back to the away team. This is a bit of a boring scene, I think, but um, it's Tuvok, Harry, and Chakotay in the tunnels. Uh, Harry's deployed the transponders, so the breadcrumbs are activated. Um, but basically, Chakotay and Tuvok pick up some signals and signs that there were actually five people last there, three of which were the missing crewmates. So they realize that something is perhaps going on. There um, are alien forces at work. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, we go back to the lab, and Bellana is still on that darn bed, still restrained. Yes. And she's now, I guess, I didn't quite, I had to actually watch this twice, but I guess the, the infection or a fever or something is taking, has taken mm. over. So she is visibly she's suffering. struggling. And, and this, this is where, it, again, I, I think it, it, it's performed. The acting, I, I actually think, in this sequence is superb because it, it works to amplify the creepiness. Because the doctor says something initially, which you'd think that's caring. He's saying that because he cares. There might be, you know, something here that isn't completely messed up. He goes, are you in pain? And she confirms that she is. And he says, it's remarkable that you're not in more pain. Most people who have the first phase of the phase are in such excruciating pain, they sometimes die from it. This is incredible, Um, which is a level of completely misplaced and creepy enthusiasm that for me only heightens this sense of the macabre as mm. the doctor goes on to explain that her body is fighting off the phage and together we'll eliminate the phage forever he says at, uh, at a latter stage of the scene as though there's some sort of weird and warped team um, and, and he tries to bring Bellana on board saying that you'll be honoured like no one ever has before. And she spits back at him. Klingons find honour as warriors, not as guinea pigs. Um, to which he he's, I think he's taken aback, but I can't recall the precise line that he gives back to her. Um, yeah. 
I forgot. I didn't even notice that line. If she, that is hilarious. Um, mm. not get, um, Rory's not guinea pigs. Um, there's also a weird, well, I guess, illusion of some flirt, not floatingness, but where he's like, your so most impressive I think, is what it is. <laughs> and a form like yours, which I guess is laying the seat, laying the groundwork for some yeah. scenes. But you're like, <laughs> um, I did notice, sorry, when I was looking, or maybe I'll, I'll save it for a little bit later, never mind. No, 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 go for it. Go no, 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 I, I will save it for a little bit later. This is all a random, random tidbit. Um, <laughs> We go back to the barracks and um oh oh and i think um at that point tom is in the barracks and he's like approached from behind and we can see like someone approaching and it's balana and Ooh. tom looks surprised and i felt very surprised because this balana looks very human <laughs> so, Ooh, yeah um, absolutely I thought that was very well done. I guess we had the hint from the from the kind of Sulon, but I, I didn't realize that her human form had survived or was out there somewhere. It was also deliberately tailored in the... Although it, it was just the remaining genes. Yeah. They articulate whether that was done deliberately or was an accidental side effect because I there's never any sort of explanation overtly given for why a human form of Belana exists beyond the fact that we use this weird genetic splitting ray and we split out a Klingon from your human Klingon DNA. Oh, and there's a human you running around as well. <laughs> so find out. I mean, at first I thought we shouldn't dig too deep into this because it could be a major plot hole. And a, no. Or you could argue perhaps that, well, if they can get another human or they can get another being from which they can take organs, why why, why waste oh. that? So Star, Star Trek podcast point of order, Chief. Yes. He says with his hand in the air, may, may I make it? Are we here to dig into plot holes or to try? No, we're not. <laughs> All right, sorry. As Good. you remember, Rose I wasn't sure of our role there. I wasn't yeah, sure Rose... what we were supposed to do. Um, I think I said the very first one. I'll probably never be able to say anything bad about Star Trek. <laughs> but but we can discuss the um, not plot holes, but the um, possible sort of backstory. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that uh, they didn't show. So yeah, <laughs> Red offered a one potential backstory there as to why. Um, yeah, there could be a few reasons. I was um, I was always really uh, like the first time I watched this. I remember um, so used to seeing Bolana as half Klingon that when I saw the human Bolana, I had no idea who it was. <laughs> like literally, literally no idea until she. I think Tom or she says um, wow. Tom says Bolana. I don't know. Um, she looks so different. The thing is, she does look so different, but I think she also acts so different. I mean, I was like astounded at how vulnerable she comes across in the human form and that, how yeah. she plays that compared to normally playing um regular yeah she plays it wildly different doesn't she it's but I, um, so I strange mean, I, I don't know if i just react really strongly to, but, but i felt like because i've watched it a few times in the last few years i feel like almost like touched to the core by her like um yeah, just how vulnerable she is now that she's a human. Oh, yeah, it's a bit, um, it's a bit depressing, isn't it? Like yeah. the, the human representation is so, you know, just like just crying Weak a lot, very timid, yeah. <laughs> very, um, yeah. It's um, but then I like to think that that's more because she has been half clean on yeah. and she's now um, experiencing that sort of fully human vulnerability for the first time, and so it's affecting her more extremely than mm-hmm. you know it would affect all. Um, all other humans um but yeah she does a great job i mean playing the two halves yeah i think the actress roxanne Dorse. yeah it's brilliant um she explains to tom like what happened i guess when she was separated and tells her that a Klingon dna was dna was extracted and that she feels basically sick and weak you don't really know i guess if it's because she's human or because she's had this very intense medical procedure but she's not taking it well, but she also, I think, I mean, we also have this really nice moment where she shares more of her backstory with Tom. I don't know if either of you want to jump in, but you find out a bit mm, more. No, I, 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 I'd like to jump in because I find this touching. And she articulates to Tom that she'd always tried to hide her forehead growing up. And that as she grew up, um, the Klingon Empire and the Federation weren't on good terms. And eventually her father left her mother and she, and she thought that it was because she was Klingon. Yeah. So she always tried to hide it, but feels conflicted about this now that 
or it is intimated now that she's fully human DNA, it sounds as though she misses the side of herself that she tried to hide because of the conflict it generated for her. Well, I think, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure. At that point, I think Tom says um, something like, it looks like you got what you wanted. Like, when, because, mm-hmm. um, but she said from that moment to, um, you know, she made the connection in her, mm-hmm. like, her little child brain that it's her fault mm-hmm. that her dad left, which is really good writing because lots of kids find a way to blame themselves when bad things happen mm-hmm. when they were young. Um, mm-hmm. She tried to um, look human from then on. You know, or try to, I guess, blend in as much with humans from, and then on. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, so, and then Tom is like, looks like you got what you want, but she doesn't look like someone who's happy with what she's got, I guess, at that mm. point. Um, we go back to the caves, um, and Tuvok realizes that the changing rock formations are actually force fields uh, with Vidian signatures. And he reports this back to the captain on Voyager. And she's like, well, last time we could disrupt their force field, so try again. And so they blast their phases at this rock face. Nothing happens. It's not working. Mm. Suddenly, two Vidians appear, and so they immediately do a beam out because, um, yeah, they have, well, it's just safer, I guess. And that was part of the, mm-hmm. the deal. Um, and we go back to the lab, another scene with Balana Klingon, or Klingon Balana and Sulon. Mm. She's complaining about being chained up you know obviously Klingons this is one of their worst nightmares I think and at this point she tries to build on that flirtatious moment earlier and manipulate Sulan a bit um so creepy I can't actually bring myself to let it either either you don't want to say that Klingons are known for their voracious sexual appetite (laughs) what do you don't want to say well I think she actually says voracious lovemaking but um Maybe go go with your interpretation because it's less cringy. And I have. <laughs> we hear what we want to hear. We all never know what the actual one was. <laughs> yeah. um, but apparently, Kling- Klingons are known for this. Um, yes. But all the while, she appears to be trying to twitch her fr- her wrist free of its bonds. I guess. Mm. But yeah. um, her flirtation tactic is actually not successful, and almost not really backfires. But I guess he realizes that. She's not just suddenly rediscovering her Klingon essence. <laughs> What's a better word? Klingon uh, what? I don't know where that came from. But um, she's manipulating him and he realizes that he's so grotesque that he, she would <laughs> never... Um, does he say... Yeah. Don't, and, and oh, he, don't he, he, what does, he say something. He says, I have feelings. <laughs> well, he should have thought about that thought about that before he started experimenting on someone. Yeah, quite. And But he effectively says he has feelings and that uh, there was a time when his race weren't so disgusting and maybe they'll be more seemly in future. And maybe, and this is where, it, you know, yeah. with the benefit of hindsight gets even more sinister, maybe when she sees him at some stage, she won't find him so disgusting physically. Um he is really living in a fantasy land. I mean, yeah, <laughs> 100%. There's this weird sort of obsession with curing the phage that seems to boil into weird sort of obsessive, possessive obsession with Balana, um, which is sort of the dynamic that we're struggling with articulating right now. Um, yeah, yeah I, I think it would be a good point at which to move on to the next scene where effectively um i think we go back to durst and tom paris if that's correct yeah. and, um, and hmm. belana is there um but two bedeans arrive and they're like oh that's tom thinks it's like they're gonna get taken back to work mm. um and i think they're a bit concerned about how belana's gonna cope but actually in this case they approach Durst and they're like come with us and tom tries mm. to intervene saying like i'm the most senior ranking person here of this group mm. you should take me instead and then it has the potential to turn into like a gunfight. So, don't fight, yeah. and they take Durst away. Mm. Durst turns around and uses the line to Tom that Tom used to stop him confronting armed guards. Of they're the ones with the guns, remember? Yes, yes. Um, which is ultimately a proud line to be remembered by. <laughs> um. So we Durst is led away. We don't know what for. Mm-hmm. Yes, we're good. Uh, mm-hmm. We're back on the bridge. Um, and Star Trek Voyager, just to be clear. 
Yes, we're on the bridge of uh, Enterprise. No, Voyager. Jane, Wayne, Chakotay are kind of figuring out that if the Vidaeans know that Voyager's around, they might call in reinforcements, mm. also puts their like um, prisoners or the missing crew in more danger. And um, they've also figured out the Vidian shields have been upgraded so they can't get through. So Janeway's immediate order is, and like um, task that she assigns to the crew, I guess, is to see if they can figure out how to get through that shield. Um, and we are back in the lab. Wow. They had a lot of screen time. <laughs> Where it's um, all... I mean, did you find that at this stage you sort of expected the episode to sort of stay at the level of dark it had been and not go further dark? Or was that just me naively hoping at that stage? Because I'd found it really sort of... Oh, this scene is very sinister. Don't know who wants to take it, but... Yeah. <laughs> um, Jenny? <laughs> oh, no. It's so disgusting. <laughs> um, so ba- basically... Uh, so some we we have uh Bellana and then the doctor comes. Let's stop calling him the doctor because we have a doctor. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, we're we're Sulan. Sulan comes doctor. and suddenly turns and we see that Durst's face is pinned over his own. Oh yes. <laughs> it's just so horrible. Um and, and he but and Bellana expresses her disgust and the doctor tries Vain, and she accuses him of killing uh, Durst. He says, "Yes, but his organs will save twelve lives." Yeah. And at which stage, Bellana, in a fit of rage, tears free of her bonds and strangles the Doctor into unconsciousness, and then escapes. Yes, she really loses it. And at this point, I'll oh, share my tidbit: the actor who's playing Sulon is the actor who plays Durst. Oh. The plot twist. <laughs> so his That's face is face uh, between Usano Jing and Vidian face. That's amazing. Um, when I went on, uh, yeah, Star Trek, I mean, when I went on Wikipedia, I learned that. Um, when I was trying to find out the name of that Talaxian. But anyway, that was mm. a very fun fact. Hmm. Not to steal a term from uh, another <laughs> podcast that I listen to. Um, no, def- definitely not. Couldn't possibly be derivative or steal from other <laughs> podcasts. We're a Star Trek podcast. I've listened to so many podcasts, it's going to happen. Um, <laughs> next, we, I think, in the conference room, briefing room, briefing room. Why don't yeah. I um, yeah. And Harry has uh, done deep level scans. Um, and there's a network of microfishes which appear when the force field remodulates. So I guess when the force field regenerates, remodulates, whatever, they're these little microfishes. And they might it might be possible to transport someone through the microfisher if um, they time it very well. Um, but they also realize that's probably their best bet because if they can get someone inside, they can disable this force field and then they can beat mm. everyone else up. Now, before we go any further, who would be your choice of the remaining crew members for a mission of this sort? Well, I mean, I, I, yeah, it would ahead. be Chicote, wouldn't it? Because, you know, the captain's one of the two top-level officers has got to stay on board the ship. Mm. So, yeah, you'd send the second in command. But, but I can never get get through my head why they go for Chicote rather than Tuvok, the head of security. But that's because Chicote has the idea. And when you have the idea, you have to execute it. You know, when you, like, uh, tell your boss, why don't, why don't we do this? And they're like, great, why don't you do that? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realise it worked that way with bosses. It's been so long since I was employed. Ah, oh, living the dream. I oh, piss off, I hate it. Um, <laughs> I but I think it's because Chakotay, because Jamie's like, well, what if they, how, you know, they get caught? Yeah. And Chakotay's like, he's the one that has the idea, which yeah. is revealed in the next scene, which is in the sick bay, where, as you were saying earlier, Jamie, Chakotay's just had that re- Facial reconstruction surgery. Yeah. Yeah. With apparent, apparently, with technology less advanced and techniques less sophisticated than the doctor uses to remove a bunion. Because when someone is complimenting him on the job he's done, he says, you should see me remove a bunion. I don't um, really understand that line. I mean, it was vaguely funny, but why was he being 
so facetious. I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> maybe he finds bunion removal uh, more difficult than um, face desecration. We'll never well, know. Maybe we'll one know. is like a true medical procedure and one is sending someone into danger and he's a doctor. Well, so. Yeah, or he could yeah. have just been putting a mask on his face. That too. There were no masks. This this is real, real. <laughs> oh god! So Chakotay could have been stuck like that. <laughs> that poor man. Oh, um, yeah. So poor. we have that little scene. A few, a flash from the doctor. Yep. Back on the planet, we're in the caves, and the um, Balana and Tom are actually at work. Mm. Balana is really human. Balana. Israeli struggling or Belana human. Hmm. The Talaxian does something great. Do you want to cover the scene because you went on and on and on about this? I'm so proud of him proving that that species weren't at the uniform level of competence that Neelix suggests. He offers them water selflessly. He gives them his water, um, his water, uh, what's the word? Good or bottle. He offers it to them. They take it. He doesn't ask for anything back. Uh, and then he goes off and Bellana starts to articulate that she feels terrified and she worries that the removal of her Klingon DNA has left her a complete coward, at which stage Tom gives her an inspirational speech, lifting many of the same sort of themes as are used in Lord of the Rings whenever a hobbit is feeling down on his or her courage. <laughs> that courage isn't the absence of fear, it's the mastery of it when it rears its ugly little head. Um... And at that stage, oh, sorry, go for it, Red. I just want to say, because uh, kind of touching on what Jenny said earlier, uh, Belana has that line where she says, I think they turned me into some kind of coward, yeah. which is a little dig at human beings. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Do you, do you feel, you know, discriminated against by Star Trek? Do you not at all, but it's like Red. she's been turned into a coward. She's not like, you know, she feels like something's very wrong with her, not just... Yeah. Um, not just she's turned human, she's <laughs> Sorry, I just had to add that. Maybe, maybe the human condition naturally is one of fear. I don't know. Yes, I think. Isn't that the lizard brain and all that? Anyway, we've got... <laughs> um, but yes, he does give her that nice speech. And then, but they they um, interrupt interrupted by some guards again, and they forcibly take Blana away because she's not mm. working hard enough. And Tom tries to stop, but Blana's like, actually... I mean, she says this very out loud, so I don't know, I'm not sure why, but mm -hmm. she's like, if I can, if I go back to the barracks, maybe she can use the opportunity to make contact with the ship because there's these consoles mm -hmm. in the barracks which she might be able mm -hmm. to hack. Mm -hmm. um, we're back on Voyager and we're on the transporter, in the transporter room, and I think Chakotay is on the transporter pad and he's about to be transported through a microfissure, which I just can't even begin to imagine how tiny he is. Mm. And Chakotay becomes the deus ex machina that they've all been waiting for. You know, I have to be honest, I never understand that reference. <laughs> uh, so, uh, effectively, a deus ex machina... Sorry, am I going to be really no, patronising okay. if I explain it? No, deus ex machina is a theatrical construct used at a stage in a theatrical performance when the dynamics of the play and the narrative and the plot don't allow for any of the characters caught within that narrative sort of cycle and rhythm to change or break the cycle of events to which one appears to be rolling. So uh, typically it would be the gods intervene and strike this Maldor down or something like that. And I'm saying that Chakotay is the deus ex machina of the situation in the planet and the tunnels because he's the rogue agent who's being injected into the situation to change the dynamic and the narrative pressure and momentum towards a catastrophic and tragic end for Bolana, human, Bolana, Klingon, and Tom Paris, presumably human. Okay. Okay, I think I understand. There's another term that I really don't understand, which is McGovern, but I don't think we have to go into that now. Do you know what would um, be really helpful? We could Google that. I've I've tried to learn many times. It's just like a not it's not a concept that makes a lot of sense to me. I can um, I can see you gritting your teeth as I try and segue us, and I'm going to restrain myself. We can we can ex we can have one term a podcast. So next time <laughs> we'll explain the McGovern. Um. Okay. So yeah, 
as Chakotay is transported, I think it's Janeway who says, well, now we wait because it's a good reminder that once he's through, they have no idea what's going on. On his own. Yeah. Uh, then the next scene, we're on the tunnels and Klingon Balana attacks that poor nice Talaxian <laughs> to find <laughs> out what's happened to her friend, Tom Paris. It was nice to hear her call, call Tom her friend. I don't know, for some reason like that. And the rest of um, her crew that came down to the planet. Uh, so he, he tells he tells her everything he knows. Uh, then we are in the barracks and human Balana is kind of resting slash pretend resting. I wasn't quite sure. Um, and as soon as the coast is clear, she starts to um, use the console in the barracks. Apologies, I'm turning my page. Uh, but she's caught by two Vidians who are then, um, oh, what have I written here? Assaulted very effectively by Klingon Blana or disabled by Klingon Blana. She had some good moves, I thought. Uh, I was I was quite impressed. And mm -hmm. human and Klingon Blana meet, which I thought was quite an interesting mm -hmm. scene. And I feel like I feel like you guys will have far more to contribute here because. This has to be like a common trope in sci-fi um, and stuff like whether a future person meets a past person. I felt like this scene was tapping into mm. like a wealth of references that I don't actually know. But um, well, I, I thought it was the Jekyll and Hyde thing, and or Jekyll and Hyde, yeah. Um, with, with that, they don't meet each other, right? So it's more. Um, no, I mean Je Jekyll and Hyde are inhabiting with, within the same body it's just a case of the potion is taken and the individual switches from a calm rational composed person of no sort of animal passions or violence to this horrendous maldor who's full of violence and anger and all of these sorts of ill humors and whilst whilst balana klingon isn't an example of that she's an example of and they are juxtaposed as effectively the sort of angel of, you know, being in control versus this wild and passionate but strong and determined and fearless sort of Klingon version. And you're effectively given an insight into the two angels that sit on either of Bolana Torres' yeah. shoulders in any given day, I think. Yeah, that's a nice way of putting it. Hmm. Um, but... Human Blana is so overcome or tired, I'm not sure, that she faints. <laughs> and Klingon Blana is carried off by Klingon. Throws her over the shoulder and walks her out. And I've only done that once myself, throwing someone over my shoulder and walk them out. But that is a story. Out of interest, who was it? Uh, a friend of mine called Tammy. Oh, was it Tammy? Yes, I think it was Tammy. If it wasn't, you sure as hell going to find Sorry, out. Sorry, Tammy, if it wasn't you, maybe you, um, maybe it was someone else. But I think Tammy wouldn't mind me saying her name. My other friend would mind. So yeah. <laughs> well, I've never done that to anyone. Bucket list. <laughs> I used to be much stronger. Had it done to me, though. I distinctly remember Nicola <laughs> doing that, <laughs> Oh, funny. Uh, I um, love that scene. I didn't know why. I just, um, mm. I just think they... She acts both characters really well, and I think it's hilarious mm. the way human Belana just just mm. paints as if she's a lady from the, you know from a Pride and Prejudice novel. <laughs> and then the there's just no hesitation at all in the Klingon Belana to just sweep her up yeah. and head off. Yeah, <laughs> it's very it's, Klingon. It's great. Um, the next moment we see them in both of them, um, I guess, back in the caves, and Klingon Balana has got a fire going and is cooking over the fire, and human Balana is just resting or asleep, but she's promptly mm. and rudely woken up by Klingon Balana. Wake up, Patak, eat. Uh, she offers Balana a rodent, which looked like a chicken breast to me, I have to be mm. honest. They look pretty good. Yes. Yeah. What is a Patak? I was hoping one of. I would have Googled that beforehand, but I'm sure it's an insult. <laughs> and a Klingon insult. Or maybe it's the, the Klingon word for friend. I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't sound like how you'd say friend. It sounds... It's, well, that's, I'm, I'm kind of deriving a lot of the meaning from the way she said it. <laughs> like, wake up, you useless idiot. <laughs> well, yes. Hang and on. I mean, I've heard Patak a lot on, um, like, Deep Space Nine. Wait, there are a lot of Hang on. but I can't remember. I'm, I'm trying to find it as we say it. How do you reckon it's spelled? <laughs> T -A. Ah, it's 
resemblances to the word tuck, which means weird. Is she calling her a weirdo? Why are you do that Googling? <laughs> okay, you guys carry on. I'm um, going to find out what this means. Our fans human, need to know. Human Balana kind of refuses the rodent. And then there is this funny line from Thing on Balana. I'm sorry I can't replicate you a souffle. <laughs> but basically she's like, you need to eat with strength because I can't keep like carrying you around and rescuing you. Mm. Mm. <laughs> That's um, a good point. All, yeah. all of which are completely true. She's done both of those things. <laughs> Uh, and then there's the, like the scene that follows. I think is a very good um, illustration of like the internal battle that would happen in, with someone, but it's just you know visualized externally because. Um, um, Alana is all for attacking. This is how we're going to escape. We're going to attack them. No detail beyond attack. Um, and when sort of asked what her how she's going to do, it shows she she does the equivalent of. Um, uh, let's see if I remember the line. Ron Burgundy in Anchorman saying that I've got Jack Johnson and some other boxer and another <laughs> fist here waiting ready for you. Um, she lifts one fist and says, I've got this. And she lifts another and she's got a dagger in it. And she says, I've got this. And that's all I need. Um, and Bellana effectively criticizes her for... Which Bellana? Sorry. Uh, Bellana human criticizes her for always just wanting to attack and use force and rush in without thinking... Um, and while saying it's no wonder we got ourselves kicked out of the academy, at the end of the scene, she acknowledges that she needed her and she needs her. And um, yeah, that there's, I wouldn't call it a moment of reconciliation, but at least a moment of self-acceptance, I think, at the end of that scene, in that they effectively work out a way that they want to work together, which is, actually to go back to the lab where she was being held and try and hijack the console and get some comms out to Voyager and also to lower the force field from there. Yeah. Because it would be the last place anyone would expect her to go having been effectively a Klingon guinea pig there. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was like, there was a moment I think where Klingon Blana suggests something and human Blana immediately says like, well, in case you haven't noticed, I'm not exactly in peak condition or whatever can't be fighting. Need nourishment eat and, um, and it's just how it's just like that battle between you know the not maybe not um caution optimist and pessimist but there's like sometimes there can be a voice in your brain that's just always looking out for the reason not to do it or the negative or maybe other people mm. don't have but i think it's like a reflection of how some people's brains are which was really interesting but as you say in the end they kind of um human blana actually apologizes and she's like realizes they need to work together because she needs the brute the attacking to get back to where they need to get the console is. And I thought it was interesting that it was Klingon Balana who suggests going back to the lab, not the barracks, and had that kind of cunning idea to go where they were least expected to be. So she's not just a uh, brute force. She's also very clever and um, strategic. Anyway, so very nice and interesting scene. Um... So then we we see them entering the the prison barracks, I think. Oh no, sorry. We're back in so we're back in the prison barracks and Tom is there and a Vidian approaches him and touches him, which he doesn't like, because he says something like, get your hands off me. But it's not a Vidian, it's Jacote. <laughs> so <laughs> um uh and I thought Jacote here demonstrated some very quick thinking because about 30 seconds. Tom's just told him he thinks the others are at the organ process are at organ processing. That's all he's learned. So it's like touching top shoulder or whatever. He's immediately approached by a guard saying, Hey, who are you? I don't recognize you. What are you doing here? And Kote quickly whips out this line, like, I'm gonna I'm here to take these people to organ processing. Uh, I've just had my face grafted, that's why you don't recognize me. I was quite impressed with his um, mm. on the, you know. Well, I can't think of any words. <laughs> but like on, on the spot. Yeah, yes, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, so, yeah, he is, he's there and he's made contact with Tom. Jamie, are you still trying to find out what Patak means? <laughs> uh, okay. Um, I can tell you that in some instances it's been used to mean weirdo and others to mean coward. Ah, well, maybe coward then. Yeah, it must have been that. Um. So now we are back uh, in the lab um, and we see human Blana is kind of at the console trying to bypass the security good. 
code, which does trigger an alarm. So they're like, well, I guess everyone's going to know we're here. But she's very calm, like human Bolana. Bolana cling on comments on this. Like, why aren't you scared? This is like the most dangerous situation we've been in and you're completely calm. You're not frightened anymore, I think, is what we're expecting. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if we're going to insist on verbatim quotes every time we put words in a character's mouth, then... <laughs> words and a completely sure. different personality. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, I love how the words, like, expand by uh, times ten uh, <laughs> when <laughs> Jamie has the uh, description. Oh, that was funny. Well, that's so mean. It was very yeah. funny. We should get Rian from Weybridge in instead of me. He'd be way better. I don't know who that is, but moving on. And Belana's like, yeah, I guess I just don't have time to think about it. So she's like very focused on uh, her task at hand. But then they are interrupted by, I think I think it's a guard first, and then who gets shot by um, Klingon Belana. And then Sulon enters. Um, and so you're like, oh gosh. But then the rescue team enters. So Chakotay, Levadian, and Tom, I think at that point. Um, ooh, well. Uh, on the bridge, Tuvok picks up that the force field has been disrupted. So I guess they've managed to disable that in the lab. Uh, but back in the lab, Sulon tries to fire on human Bolana, but oh, I've kind of skipped some things here. But um, Klingon Bolana dives in front of human Bolana and gets wounded instead. And the doctor screams, No! <laughs> the Vidian's yeah. Yes, surgeon. He realizes that he will no longer be the savior of the Vidian sodality. Yes. You won't have a hot wife that he was planning on having. <laughs> I mean, really, Red, must we objectify folk at this stage? With all that's been going on with Luis Rubiales. He thought that she was attractive. So to her, to him, she was Wait, attractive. who are you referring to by he in this instance? Hulan thought that okay. Juan Bolano had a fine form or something. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I'm just... that could describe someone's ability at uh, a particular cricket stroke, Red. That's true. more specific. <laughs> well, she wasn't playing cricket at the time, so I think we. <laughs> no. anyway. I think she was described as handsome at one point as well. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, as as Elar James says, he knows little of cricket who only cricket knows. Red. So maybe they were, and we just weren't aware of it. Anyway, I I feel we should move on from the subject. This is yep. a little interest to, you know, folk who have lost the ashes like those who speak like me have. <laughs> And carry on. So yes, to the final scene, the climactic yes. Everyone is beamed out uh, and we have this touching scene on the transporter pad. Um, just to set the scene, Balana and human Balana is holding and cradling Klingon Balana in her arms. Hmm. And she's wounded. And uh, human Balana is like, beam out of sickbay, like, you know, urgently. And uh, mm-hmm. Klingon Balana is like, um, it's too orange? late. Don't, what did I write here? Don't something time. There's no um, time. There's no time, thank you. Mm, and and she compliments human Bolana on showing incredible courage, which meant that her death was a worthy death. Yes. Mm. Um, she takes her hand, actually, which I thought was quite a sweet touch. And we have that little zoom in on them holding hands. Uh, and, yeah, she now feels, King on Bolana feels like she's having an honourable death mm. um, which is all any good thing on once today very is a good day to concept. die very mm. spot of concept you gotta yeah. ask as well if she'd lived would there then be two <laughs> bananas <laughs> then it would be like two vix but uh which is coming later um yeah except yes. i guess i guess they would have um, well, based based on what happens in the next scene with the doctor, I don't know if I'm skipping ahead. This is the actual doctor, the, the holographic, you know, Voyager doctor. Um, he's basically explaining to Bolana that um, he has to put her Klingon DNA back in because uh, she can't oh, survive yes. without it. So um, she doesn't really have a choice. And you're left wondering would she have wanted it back if she didn't need it to survive? Yeah. Unsure at this stage. Um, but then that makes me wonder I wonder if the Klingon Bolana had survived. 
Would she be able to continue as a full Klingon or would she need the human DNA back to survive? Mm. If not, then there'd be there'd be two bananas, one half human, half Klingon, and one Klingon. <laughs> yeah. You wonder if they'd have been friends. Yeah. Well, I think that takes us to this kind of final conversation, um, mm. which um, Bana has with Chakotay, because she does. When the doctor tells her that, she kind of says to herself, "So she's saving my life again." And I um, think there's a really nice balance there, isn't there? Because she needs the Klingon Balana's DNA in order to survive so that she can synthesize protein. But in the conversation that you're about to allude to with Chakotay, she is acknowledging that she also needs her psychologically to be whole. Yeah, she says some, I think, I mean, it's only a few lines, but it sums it up. But she says, like, she feels more at peace than she's ever done before. But she also feels incomplete. Mm. Um, and she describes how she came to admire the Klingon, Blana's strength and bravery. Mm. Um, and I think she'll have, she'll have to spend the rest of her life fighting with her. Yeah, just have to come to terms with that. Uh, Chakotay doesn't have much to say to that. He kind of just looks at her understandingly and walks off. And then um, she has that moment, I guess, where she's feeling her smooth forehead. Um, That's a bit of an odd one, isn't it? Is she feeling it or is she hiding it the way that she used to, I wonder? I think she's like... Or both. Yeah. I mean, and the way she finishes that, she almost seems like... To me, I interpret it, but maybe, you know, like she's happy to have be reintegrated into her Klingon self. But... Um, or maybe it's like, you know, that concept of touching a... I don't know. I don't want to say a missing limb. That, but um, you, that... Or a habit or something. I, so, I, I guess, certainly touch the horns when I haven't brushed my hair to cover them. <laughs> like maybe that was also something that she always did, is like just touch it for it. And then she's like, oh, I'm missing a part of myself. I'm, <clears throat> I'm not sure, but mm. I, obviously because I have first tinted glasses, I interpret it as mm. like, I mean, also in a way, she doesn't have to make the decision, which makes it easier, I guess. Yes. To, yes, mm, yes. She, it's, it's, survival is the only option. Yeah, it's it's an interesting. But I I like Jenny's thought experiment about what would have happened if the two of them had been able to remain. Mm. I'm not sure. I, I don't. They have fought rich. over certain members of the crew. <laughs> <laughs> Which would certain members of the crew have chosen if they were fought over? <laughs> yeah, also a good question. And would all three have survived the experience? Oh, uh, what I know about what I feel, I feel like what I know about Neelix, he would have definitely been attracted to Klingon Valana. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. What? what? He likes a strong woman. Um, no okay. I think it's a bit of a fling with the Klingon lady in the later episode. Yeah. I mean, I'm basing a lot. Boy is trouble. <laughs> okay, guys. Wow, fifty-seven minutes, forty-seven, eight, nine seconds. Snappy. We're still going. You're going to cut us off. No, we started it's... to do lessons or themes and star player. Okay. Uh, and it's still longer than the a- actual episode. Oh, that's always going to be the case. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear. Um, fair enough. So for me, I mean, I'm going to break with tradition of going with a fatuous star player. Uh, the obvious choice would have been the other Talaxon, but actually I'm going to go with Klingon Bologna for obvious reasons. Oh, <laughs> you think the obvious choice is the Talaxian side character? <laughs> no, I think he would be the obvious choice for a fatuous choice to make people laugh. Oh, okay. As it clearly did. My actual choice for player of the episode is Bologna Torres. Yeah, I have to agree. Yeah. I mean... But which one? <laughs> Balana. Mirrors. I do, oh, oh, you mean which Balana? Oh, I thought you meant Balana or the Talaxian. <laughs> I loved her portrayal. Uh, let me just, I always, you know, I know these names so well, but I will somehow double dart myself. Uh, yeah, Roxanne Dawson. She did such a good job of the human Balana. I don't know. I was just really touched by that performance. Plus, I also really like to see actual acting, like when people can actually do different, because some people just play a version of themselves, I think. So, I yeah, the, the, the human Bologna is a completely different 
person almost, isn't, yeah. isn't she? To like the actual half yeah. Klingon, half human Blana, yeah. um, which is yeah. quite quite bizarre. I got to say, I actually preferred the Klingon Blana character, but I think the human Blana worked so hard like she did such a great job and um there's a lot of crying and like so i think you know she um they both real deserve hard. <laughs> um so sorry i think we all agreed on balana one way or the other um i think there were some nice lessons or themes in here uh, compared to some recent episodes does anyone want to kick us off no. Oh, I can. I mean, it's straight. No, <laughs> I thought um, I would remember them all. It was so obvious I didn't write them down. But that whole, you know, also maybe because as you get older, you, this gets a bit easier. But accepting all the different parts of yourself, mm, um, self acceptance, yeah, your, yeah, into you know, and no longer fighting or hating. Mm. Parts of yourself, maybe actually le learning to leverage them and, and um, help, like using them to help you, uh, you know, yeah. get what you want in life. Um, uh, and just that kind of, I think lots of people, well, actually, not lots of people have two voices in their head because it turns out 30% or 50% of people have no voice in their head. Uh, <laughs> I think, Jamie, you're one of those, right? I mean, the voice in my head right now is feeling very hurt that. <laughs> That's not an insult. Has just suggested to him that he's cognitively deficient. No, that's not what I'm suggesting. Just you, you I have no voice in my head because it's all outside. <laughs> Maybe I'm we should. Going to say that it was uh, a lesson in how the angels of one's nature need each other to actually exist optimally, as opposed to always looking to one's good or bad angel to effectively drive one to success. But I'll settle with. One should always be suspicious of friends who have no vices. They tend to have some pretty annoying virtues. Who does that refer to? I don't know. I just thought I'd leave it out there and see if anyone got insulted, really. <laughs> uh, well, my one of my virtues, vices are on display on this podcast all the time. Um, Jenny? Oh. Wait, I also feel a bit like maybe we should explain the comment earlier. Oh, yes. About, um, about, um, Jamie got the, so upset, I just decided yeah. to move on. But yes, let's explain. Yeah, because otherwise it sounds, yeah. So it was the, uh, we had this discussion a while back um, um, based on, I think, was it an article you read that was um, saying about a certain percentage of humans haven't constant in a monologue and others just don't and it has nothing to do with intelligence or anything else offensive it was just um a weird quirk apparently uh, what was so what were the, yes, and the reasons i can't remember but the reason why i tied it back to jamie is because he shared with us once that because i think we we're talking about meditation or whatever and he says yeah when i'm not talking there's nothing in my brain that's what you said so that's why i tied <laughs> you this concept of having no inner monologue. <laughs> you treat you guys with my inner secrets and you repay them to an adoring public. By repay, <laughs> I mean replay. I think I'm just like pointing out that meditation was pointless to you because every day was meditation. It's, 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 it's just uh, constantly in a meditative state, you lucky wow. thing. <laughs> These are two of my, well, two of my dearest, dearest friends on this podcast. <laughs> No, uh, I don't even tell people maybe that not for much longer, or maybe misguidedly. Who knows? <laughs> but we're clearly just doing this for the figures, aren't we? Hint, hint. Oh, yes. Tell me that you think I'm intelligent, yada yada. No, probably fair. Probably fair. Jamie, you're very intelligent, but you just—I'm just basing my assessment on the words that came out of your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you, you be foolish enough to draw any opinions about someone from what they say about um... themselves? <laughs> True. Um, right, I think on that note. Oh, wait, Jenny, have you done mm. your lessons or themes or takeaways? Oh well, I just the, that was the first thing that came to me. Read as well, just self acceptance. I think that's what it's all about, isn't it? And yeah. learning to live with, and as you say, even potentially see maybe silver linings in the bits mm. of yourself that you maybe hated as a teenager, or um, yeah. And then I guess there's there's this underlying theme about. Um, the Vidians again, which is all very weird about how this um, 
this race basically um in order to survive have just sort of decided that <laughs> they're gonna kill off other species in order to keep their race alive and the sort of moral implications behind that yeah like i don't want to derail us too much but that is a very good point that completely went passing by but how the bullied become the bullies um, mm. or the yeah something i'm sure we'll touch on again but yes they seem to think they have a right because they are suffering to do things that yes are not acceptable to other people well let's hope they never come calling for balana's help again <laughs> <laughs> they're a great um I, I think i already said this when we first came across them but i think that they're awesome um What's, what's baddie Agonist. bad guy like they're, they're a really scary bad guy yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. the thought of a species that's wanting to harvest your organs and oh it's horrible and they're self-righteous bad guy yes. <laughs> the worst of the worst <laughs> they want to harvest your organs and they're sort of quite uh like uh, de de detached yeah. like they're detached and logical about it and you know this oh it's really creepy very creepy <laughs> Okay, so we haven't kept it under an hour, but one hour, five minutes, six minutes, not bad. Uh, we'll be back in about two weeks for the next episode, episode 15. Don't know the name. I'm not going <laughs> to waste a second Googling it because then the podcast will be too long. Bye. Woo, podcast. <laughs> <laughs>